All right, good morning. I hear a worship. Is someone worshiping? Oh, not. Oh, no, 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 no. I hear people worshiping. I hear angels close to the fast breaking. Okay, um, before we get into the scripture reading, um, we're going to continue on Exodus chapter 2. But for the first time in uh, like 10 plus years, I forgot to go over how to break a fast uh, last Sunday. So I'm going to go over that just real quickly. Um, and a lot of you guys have, have, have been doing this, but for those of you uh, who have been fasting uh, juice or liquids only, um, there, there is a, a way to break fast. Uh, your stomach has shrunk. Uh, it's not used to the normal amounts. Um, certain types of foods, acidic, uh, things like that can be, can be uh, uh, a little bit uncomfortable. If you've done just water for a few days, um, a lot of people will do water the last couple days just to finish off strong. Um, then what you want to do is you want to reintroduce foods back into your digestive tract. So if, you're, if you have, have had nothing in your uh, uh, stomach other than maybe water or, or coconut water or uh, just squeezed juices, um, you got to allow your uh, stomach to catch up again. So the worst thing you could do is go out and get like crazy hot pot spicy stuff. Um, you may not feel it. You, uh, you will feel it uh, that night. Um, but we've had a couple uh, accounts of people sharing how later it really affected their digestion. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll work from, just real quickly, I'll work from if you're doing uh, water to just juices only. And then there's obviously a, a reintroduction of food. And then if you're taking smoothies and soups, I think, in my personal opinion, you can probably just kind of uh, uh, go back into normal eating, just maybe watch your quantities, stay away from uh, spicy food. Um, but if you have been doing water or just clear broth or, or uh, 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 clear juice without pulp and things like that, um, then you probably want to start off, uh, we're breaking fast tomorrow, uh, with kanji, um, maybe, maybe some yogurt, uh, a, a fruit smoothie. Uh, I often will do hummus because it's already broken down and, and you'll see that you, you're, you won't be able to take as much capacity. Um, your stomach shrunk, your organs have been resting. Um, you gotta eat small amounts, you gotta be selective and intentional. Uh, the Bible doesn't talk a whole lot, the Bible talks a lot about fasting, but it doesn't talk a whole lot about how to break a fast. So the art of um, uh, breaking a fast is, is basically bringing your body back to its normal eating and digestion. I know, I know like if you haven't been, you know, if you've been going really intense, like the first thing you're thinking is like, like tons of food and oily food and fried food and all that. Um, but breaking a fast, I would say, breaking a fast well, and reintroducing foods um, is almost tougher than fasting itself because um, you have to slowly pace yourself. Um, so I would start off uh, to be safe, right? And, and you should know your own body, uh, but even then to be safe, start off with porridge, smoothies, yogurt, milk, fruits. Um, maybe the next day, vegetables, salads, soups, hummus, bread, 
Uh, stay away from processed foods, uh, pastries, cookies, and uh, avoid starchy uh, things that have preservatives in it. Um, probably the second or third day you can introduce protein like cheeses, eggs, nuts, fish, and then lastly I would say third day uh, introduce uh, meats, okay, which is tough for a lot of people. Um, and I think this is a safe way to do that. Um, so porridge, smoothies, yogurts, uh, milk, fruits, uh, hummus maybe first day, uh, vegetables, bread, uh, avoid oils and, and buttery stuff and starchy process. This is a great opportunity, you guys, for you to adjust your diet for the next decade. Yeah? Right? Um, I, I shared with you guys before that uh, the first time, my first year in Beijing, first time I did a pure liquid juice only fast. After that, I, I thought that was so incredible. I thought that was so impossible. I was like, man, God is real. This is impossible. I can't believe I did this. After that, I was like, man, if I can drink juice for 21 days without any food, I can certainly live without eating meat and eating everything else that I love. And so I actually went from January to about April uh, not having any type of meat. Isn't that incredible? Yeah? Uh, you should be impressed. That's, that's, that's really incredible. <laughs> to not eat meat for four months. And then I got a little proud, and one of my friends asked me if I could do a barbecue for him. He was having a party. I was like, sure. You know, I don't eat meat, but sure, I can do that for you. And I started cooking like five or six steaks, and by the sixth steak, I just started eating it. Um, so, so this is a great opportunity for you guys to adjust your diet. You know, you want, you want, you want to be healthier. Uh, uh, you know, diet affects your mood, your, your, your emotions, and things like that. So what, what a great opportunity to do that. Um, a, a couple other key things, and then we'll move on. Uh, uh, watch your quantities, right? Um, eat slowly, chew well. Uh, stop at the first warning signs, right? You have, you have the rest of the, the year to eat whatever you want. Uh, rest as much as possible. Don't try to do too much too soon. I don't know about you, but for me, if I start eating like really crunchy stuff, like crunchy bread or, or, or chips and things like that, my gums start to get a little sore because my gums haven't been uh, active as well. So just, just you know, uh, look for these signs. Um, and, uh, you know, you have a brand new body and digestive tract to start off the decade. Uh, and so my charge and encouragement would be to, to take care of it and to, uh, uh, yeah, really, really uh, uh, nurture and cultivate some really good uh, eating habits. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's like, like, amen, I'm eating steak tonight. Like, I'm not listening to that. Yeah, I, I don't hear you. Okay. Um, all right, Exodus chapter 2. Uh, we're we're, we're going to finish in 10 minutes because uh, uh, we have uh, quite a few people to pray for this morning. And, and I do apologize uh, for the house church leaders. I, I know the last couple of days it sound, seems like we're really rushing through. But we are praying for them, uh, um, you know, and, and we are going for them by name. Uh, we do apologize for, for the miscalculation. Um, okay, Exodus chapter 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him from three, for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. The sister stood, the sister, his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to, the, uh, to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid. And she brought it to her. When she opened it, 
She saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying, and she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then, this, then his sister said to the Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you for the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take the child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he, had, that he went out to his brethren and looked and on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of the, his brethren. So he looked this way and that, and when he saw there was no, no one around, he stuck down the Egyptian and, and hit him in the, in the sand. He went out the next day, and behold, the two Hebrews were fighting with each other, and he said to the offender, Why are you striking your companion? But he said, Who made you prince or judge over us? Are you, are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, Surely the matter has become known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from his presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs with water uh, their to, to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came down and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to rule the father, he said, Why have you come back so soon today? So they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and what is more, he even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Where is he then? Why is it that you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses was willing to dwell with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses. And then she gave birth to a son and named him Gershom, for he said, I have been so a sojourner in, the for in a foreign land. Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of their bondage, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, we've, we've spent quite a bit of focus and emphasis on uh, uh, the theme this year, which is stronger relationships, uh, uh, healthier relationships, healthier relationships in our marriage, in our families, in our work, uh, uh, with our spouses, with our children, with God, with our church. I made the charge in 2020 to be grounded, grounded in God, but, but grounding ourselves uh, willingly of our own volition for, for personal maintenance, right? So that uh, for the long haul, for the next 10 years, right, we start off strong, we start off on the right foot, uh, we start off on the right heart so that God, uh, uh, that we, our hearts would be in the right place so that God can do all that He intends and purpose. So I, I made an invitation. It's not an easy invitation. It certainly is a charge. It's something you have to contemplate. Uh, but I made the charge and the challenge, and I've taken this charge and challenge, challenge at myself, to where possible, I know it's not easy, I, I know you can't tell your boss you know, where you're going to travel, where you're not, but where possible, wherever you do have options, wherever you do have a say in it, uh, to, let, to travel less for work, to travel less for leisure, uh, uh, to, to uh, 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 really bolster up on the home front, really focus on relationships in home, uh, uh, marriage, uh, family, your work, uh, uh, your church, and I really made a charge for people to commit. Um, I, I, I was counting my, my calendar yesterday, and I and I literally have turned down, cut out eight uh, invitations or travel or ministry. I cut those out, uh, even though I still already have seven or eight. Um, and so I, I've, 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 you know, a couple retreats, uh, a couple conferences. Uh, uh, I, I turned down a wedding. I turned down a speaking engagement in, in, in Tokyo, in, in, in Chiang Mai. And so I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm going to focus on my family. Uh, I felt the effects of being away so much from my wife and from my kids. I felt the effects. You, you may have felt the effects of being away from church. Um, and so here again, you know, we see Joseph and 
how uh, he came from a broken family and despite his broken family that God was still able to use him. Not only was God able to use him and, and the promise of what God promised was fulfilled, but in addition to that, God's heart we saw was not just to use Joseph, not just for uh, uh, Joseph to be used to bring about the mandate of God, but that Joseph's family was also restored and healed. Um, we're coming here to Moses and, and once again, and I mentioned this before, and all throughout scriptures, uh, you see all the peoples that have been used um, for the large part, they, they're coming from broken families. Moses was separated from his mom at a young age. Uh, uh, they put him into the river. The Pharaoh's daughter took her in. For a while, she was nursing or taking care until she grew up. But, uh, but, but then a, period, uh, a time came after nursing where the Pharaoh's daughter then literally adopted him as a son. So he's growing up in, in a household uh, uh, with, with a, a, you know, a caretaker or a mom, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter or the house. Um, and, and, and I can only imagine that, that Moses, as a child, is confused. Uh, why isn't my, my real mom and dad taking care of me? Why, why am I having to be taken care of by someone who doesn't love me the way that my mother does? Um, when I see Moses, and, and I'm reading a little bit into this, um, but, but and maybe projecting a little bit, but, but I, I, you know, I, can, I can see some, some relations and some connections. Um, a couple things for Moses going on here is uh, uh, because his mom had nurtured him, because they still had a relationship with him, he knew his identity. He knew he was a Hebrew. Um, he must have ascertained or, or, or discerned that, man, of all the Israelites, of all the Hebrews, man, God must have a plan for me. So, so there's an awareness, maybe, maybe similar to Joseph, that certainly God has a plan for me. God has given me these blessings. God has given me these resources. God has put me in this position. Man, I have the resources of this nation. I, have, I know the Pharaoh. I know the family. I have all these inner workings. And yet, we, we can be so aware of the giftings of God. And we can be so aware of, of, of the provision of God in our lives. But at the same time, we can be so disconnected to the heart of God. You can be so gifted and, 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 and blessed in so many ways. At the same time, what Moses shows us, what Joseph shows us, is that at the same time, with all these giftings from God, at the same time, we can run the risk of having the, not having the heart of God. And you see that with Joseph and how he interacts with his brothers to the point where uh, uh, they, they get jealous and they, and they sell him into slavery. Uh, Moses here, I think if, if there was a scale or, or a meter or something, he recognizes that God has a call, but he very greatly is dependent upon his own resources. He recognizes that God has put him in a particular place to make a great impact, but at the same time, he, he sees that it's by his own strength and resources. He knows that, that, I mean, God has given him a heart for Israel. I mean, that's God-given. God has given him a heart to, to see the, the labor uh, he goes out and he sees their pain. He sees their struggle. He's, he has a heart for them. He wants to help them. But the manner in which he wants to serve God is his way and not God's way. And so out of anger, he kills an Egyptian. Uh, and just like that, in his own strength, in his own might, in his own plan, in his own blueprint, in his own resources, just like that, boom, done. He loses it all. Um, and then he's cast and, and has to run away. The Pharaoh himself wants to kill him. And he goes into the wilderness. Um, and so what we see here is that uh, God had another way 
that he would use Moses. He would show Moses that it's not by your strength. Basically, at this point in stage, God is saying to Moses, I don't care who you are. I don't care what job you have. I don't care who you know. It doesn't matter to me uh, uh, what education, uh, what science, what knowledge, what arts, what music, all those things that were available to him. None of that is going to matter for the work that I'm going to do in your life. The work that I'm going to do in your life, you will know that you could not have done it without me. Right? At this point in Moses' life, where Moses is like, God, you know, why haven't you called on me yet? I got all these. God is basically saying, I don't care what you can do. You, you need to care about what I can do. You need, you need to believe what, what I'm about to do. And so Moses goes out into the wilderness. Um, and, 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 and I think rightfully so. It is certainly a season of wilderness. It is certainly a season of waiting. But I think that there's, sometimes there's a negative connotation of waiting. And, and I think we've learned through both Joseph and here in the account of Moses. Um, that when we're waiting on God. We're not just waiting on God uh, doing nothing. Does that make sense? Right? Oh, I'm, I'm in the wilderness. I'm in this waiting period. So I'm just going to, you know, uh, uh, pray and meditate and worship. And just pray and meditate and worship. Pray and meditate. Um, I think there's a negative connotation with waiting. Waiting in line and a long line for God to finally see me. Or for God to finally get me out of the doghouse. Or for God to finally select me. Oh, it's about time. Uh, Moses is not waiting. He is training. In the same way, Joseph was not just waiting for the favor or the breakthrough out of a vacuum. Joseph was training. Everywhere there where Moses and Joseph and the people of God are, are seemingly waiting on God, they're not simply waiting in a vacuum. Whatever God has given him in that time, whether it's part of the vision, whether it's part of their gift sets, whatever it is, regardless of where they think or know that it fits in, they are working. And they are working hard. And they are giving their best. And no matter how small the task, no matter how menial, they are fully vested and serving God. And so... Moses is doing labor and tending sheep and taking care of a family and learning a culture and building relationships uh, uh, in manners and ways that he never had to. He, he, all those things were served to him. Um, and so God is preparing him and equipping him. Um, and I think that's just a great reminder uh, that even in our waiting, that it is purposeful. Uh, we think the waiting is the purpose, but, but I'm telling you there's more than just waiting. The waiting is purposeful because there are things even in your waiting or even in your pit or even in your sojourning or in your wilderness, no matter how small or menial you think it is, that God wants you to be faithful to. And you're absolutely called to be faithful to that. And God will, in fact, reveal himself in the little things uh, uh, in which when the big things come, uh, like David, you'll say like, oh, yeah, yeah, Goliath, no big deal. I remember when the Lord delivered me from lions and bears. It's in the quiet place where nobody sees you, these small tasks and victories over lions and uh, bears, that God will then see your faithfulness and see your, your, your heart for Him and trust for Him and worship for Him, even in those contexts that allows you to get to the platform where there's a David in, in front of the nation. Uh, um, if, you, if you get propelled and, and, and projected or launched out there before your character is developed, you will be crushed. You will be crushed. Right? The pride, the success, uh, uh, the status, the light, the love of people will get to your head and you will be crushed before uh, and you'll be humbled. Um, yeah, that's not how I want to end my, my devotion. You'll be crushed. But, um, 
So, so just a snapshot, an introduction to Moses. Um, I, I, you know, we'll get into this later, but I do think he has father issues, naturally. Uh, competition issues, has to prove himself. Uh, lives in the palace. Uh, um, some pictures of, of, of him is in order to help, truly help the people of God, he couldn't do it from his palace. He couldn't just uh, 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 get his wonderful spa treatments at night and eat crab and luxurious foods in the evening and then in the mornings go out for a stroll and, 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 and come out in, in his robe and be like, oh, I see your pain, let me help you. And that, that's what he's trying to do. You know, he's, he's trying to keep his status and keep his position and try to, try to show the Israelites that, hey, I'm like you. Not, not really. And so it wasn't until he was stripped of all that, everything was taken from him, his robe, his title, his status, uh, 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 became nothing. Then he could become like the Israelites and lead them. Um, and that's exactly the depiction of the gospel, right? We, 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 we have a God, uh, our Messiah, who, who, unlike Moses, who it was taken and stripped from him, unlike Joseph, where it was taken and stripped from him, um, where our Lord Jesus willingly, of his own volition, stripped himself, uh, uh, uncovered himself, left his title, his authority, his uh, 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 royalty, his majesty, his robe, his covering, his, his attendance, all that in heaven. He left his palace and became like us and suffered with us and, and became our king and our leader. Um, and so... This is the biblical mandate, that we become like those uh, who are suffering, that those we want to serve and help, uh, either physically, emotionally, we have to understand, we have to be able to uh, uh, perceive some of their uh, uh, pain and, and really uh, care for them in that way. Um, I think the, the non-believing world uh, is less evangelized by our perfect lives as Christians and why aren't you, you know, not living without sin and, and living as perfect as I am versus when they see our vulnerability, you know, and, and instead of us trying to cover it up because they see it anyways, you know, saying, yeah, these are some of my shortcomings, these are some of my weaknesses, um, but it's only by the grace of God uh, that I'm following Him, that I've been saved and, and He is changing me little by little every day. Uh, I think a bit of vulnerability uh, uh, before uh, uh, the non-believing world uh, goes a long way in seeing that, yeah, we're all, we're all actually in the same boat. Um, all of Moses' knowledge and expertise and training in, in the highest skills of that time in science and arts and literature uh, could not save Israel. Uh, only God could save Israel. Uh, Moses couldn't use his brute strength or ability or savvy or, or shrewdness. It failed. Uh, he was outcast. He was forgotten. He was in the wilderness. He was waiting. But God would come and seek him out and find him and then call him and then make and shape and mold him into the leader, into the man, into the child of God that he had intended all along. Let's bow our heads as the worship team comes up.
the only other place where uh, um, the tar and pitch, these specific words are used in, in, the, in, the, in the scriptures is in reference to Noah's Ark. So there is some imagery of uh, uh, Moses' basket to that of Noah's Ark. And uh, 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 through this child, there would come deliverance. Um, let's, let's just take all this and let's just remember our Lord and Savior and, and remember once again that, that our Father loves his, his beloved Son and that our Father, in the same manner, in absolute faith, believed that his Son, Jesus, would bring salvation, believed and hoped and envisioned that all of you sitting here would call upon the name of Jesus and that God himself had to give up, had to lay his Son uh, as if unto death, into the river to let go um, and in faith believe that he would be returned to him. And indeed, Christ had gone to the cross and uh, he did pay the ultimate price and uh, out of the power of God was resurrected back unto life and returned to the family. And we see this restoration. And so we begin to see uh, though God had blessed Israel for a season in Egypt to grow uh, uh, from 70 or a hundred members of family to millions that the move of God over generations uh, 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 over, over plans over incidents and circumstances is moving closer and closer to the coming of the Messiah and this is just one area or one pit stop of the life of Moses of many lives and many generations that we're taking a look at and uh, even in the scriptures you see so many references imagery and pictures uh, pointing to Jesus Christ. And so we were reminded of him this morning once again. This is the time, and then after a little bit, uh, we'll come before God in worship.